0: scripture comes first from the 50th chapter of Genesis. It's the very end of the book, Joseph is about uh, to die. He is with his brothers. And so Joseph said to his brother Israelites, I am about to die. Surely God will come to your aid and take you from this land to the land which he swore on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he made the Israelites swear an oath to him, and he said, God will surely come to your aid. And you must carry up my bones from this place. And now we go forward 400 or so years to Exodus, the 13th chapter, verse 19. The Exodus is taking place. They're leaving Egypt. And this is what we find out. So Moses took with him the bones of Joseph. Because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath, saying, God will surely come to your aid and you must carry my bones up with you from this place. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. Have you ever done that mental exercise, that drill in your house that goes something like this? Okay, if the house catches on fire, here's what we're going to take out. Have you ever done that? We've done it two or three different times during our marriage, and I think there's some consensus among uh, the first things that we're going to get out of there. We're going to get out of there in human beings, followed by our pets. But then we start to digress. One of the family members wants to take the HDTV, and the other one wants the wedding albums and the baby books. Well, it wasn't exactly like that at the Exodus, but it was close. Because Pharaoh had finally relented and said, You can leave. So they were in a hurry to leave, and they gathered their things. But what things? What do you take with you on this journey? You don't even know where you're going. What is it that you need? And then God had allowed them to plunder the Egyptians, to take from them fancy clothing and gold and silver. And and how much of that do we take? And so people, you can imagine, were in a mad scramble to get what they could before they left. Everyone, it seems, except Moses. The 13th chapter of Exodus says, while they're scrambling for this, Moses goes and gets the bones of Joseph and carries them with him. Now, that's interesting. Now, the tradition goes, it's not in Scripture, but the tradition is that when Joseph died 400 years earlier, the Egyptians, who greatly honored and respected Joseph, buried him into a coffin and submerged it Uh, under the Nile, into the Nile, so that it would blast the Nile River uh, river, and you know how significant the Nile was to the Egyptians. So how Moses found the coffin, I don't know. But he did. And while everyone is looking out for themselves, Moses is trying to carry out and honor a promise made some 400 years ago. This is a very important topic for me personally, because the next Sunday we will begin starting to celebrate, or we'll begin the celebration of our 100th anniversary of the congregation. 1909, we bought the land that we would, in 1910, establish the congregation uh, upon. And it always raises the question: What do you do with the bones of Joseph? What do you do with the past as you move toward the future? And it seems to me if we look at the story of the Israelites of Exodus, it gives us several options of ways that we can treat the past and prepare for the future. Our motto for this coming year is that we're going to celebrate the past and prepare for the future. Well, how do you do that? I think there are a lot of options available to us, and the Israelites present at least four of them, and I thought I'd walk you through them to see what might fit us. The first option that is, I think, completely possible for people is just to ignore the past. Just to see the past as some sort of ball and chain that we need to jettison as quickly as possible and to be able to say to ourselves, it doesn't matter who came before us or what they did. What matters is what's happening to us now. Forget about those bones, Moses. We've got to get out of Dodge. And that's one way to do it. Many people live as if they are the only people who have ever inhabited this planet and have no regard for anyone who ever came before them, what they thought. What they accomplished, it's just all what can they do in the moment. So some people just completely disregard the past and history. Others rewrite it in ways that are convenient to them. I couldn't help but reflect on uh, several of the college football games yesterday were real close. And I remember about 20 years ago, uh, Notre Dame had had a new coach. And they were playing an under 500 team. Not a great team, not a football powerhouse. And the game was close. And Notre Dame won the game on a last-second field goal. And in the press conference after the game, their new coach proclaimed that as one of the greatest victories in Notre Dame football history. Word got back to the athletic director, and his response was, I could kill him. What upset him so much was a complete disregard for the Gipper, for Newt Rockne, for the Four Horsemen, for everything that went before to act as if this was the first team that ever played. And some people do that. Some people live as if the past never came before, and they pay no attention to it. Of course, we remember the great saying from George Santayana who said this. He said, those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it, repeat its mistakes. And you can see this. Adolf Hitler, even uh, writing in Mein Kampf, uh, talked about you don't fight a battle on two fronts. You certainly don't want to invade Russia. And he did all those things. And he paid the price for missing the past. For a lot of people... Just live in disregard for the past. That's an option. But there are other Israelites, and and we can meet them later in the book of Exodus and in the book of Numbers. They just want to live in the past. They don't even want to go in the future. And what they will say is, we want to go back to Egypt. They remember the routine in Egypt. Yeah, it wasn't perfect. They were slaves, but at least they knew what to expect. And so their cry is to stay in the past, to live in the past, to go back to the past. And you and I know plenty of people who simply want to live in the past and live and act as if nothing new has happened and nothing has ever changed uh, for them. And the Israelites certainly are reflective of human nature. One doctor did some research years ago and published his results, and this is what he found. He said, among his patients and the patients of others in, in other groups that he studied, patients would prefer a known cure to a new cure that might be much more effective. He said, when given a choice, they'll take the known, less effective cure because they at least know what it is, than the new, more promising treatment. It's sometimes in our nature just to want to stay in the past. And boy, churches want to do that. We in the church often want to uh, stay in the past as much as we can. I have a good friend, pastor of a very large church, and his theory is, David, you should never have change in the church. It ought to be the one place where people ought to come and it's exactly the same as it's been and it'll be exactly the same tomorrow. It was exactly the same years ago. And so I listened to him make his pitch and it made some sense and then I finally asked him, do you all have air conditioning? You know, there was a time when there were no organs and there were no, no air conditioning. There was a time when there was no building. Which time do you settle on if you want to live in the past? That is an option that some of the Israelites would take, but I don't think it's the best option to disregard the past, to live in the past, but then there's something else going on. There are people who are, since God said they could plunder the Egyptians, plundering the Egyptians, taking the gold and silver and the fancy clothes, gathering it all up, only to part with it 40 days later to make a golden calf. There are people, it seems to me, who live in disregard of the past and live in disregard of the future. They just blow it all in the present. Now, I think it's very important to be alive in this present moment. And I know people who can never celebrate the present uh, because they always think that, that the time is not right and some future day will solve every problem they have. And so it's important to live in this moment. It's the moment God has given us. But on the other hand, to only live for this moment with no recognition of what's gone before and no concern about what comes after is to do just as the Israelites who parted with everything God had given them to make this calf and they just blew it all in a moment. One look at today's economy and the credit crisis and you can see as part of the result is so many people just saying all that counts is what I can get in this moment and I'm not worried about the future. I'll mortgage that to live today. And then eventually, the future comes. And here we are. But there are people who plunder the present with no thought to the past and maybe even just as bad, no no concern for the future. There's a wonderful text about Abraham when he's wandering in the desert. It says that Abraham, in Genesis, plants a tamarisk tree. That's a good idea because Tamarisk tree will give you shade, and shade is vital. We, we spent the summer talking about the desert. You know how that is. It's vital in the desert. But here's the deal. Abraham will never get shade from the tree he planted. A Tamarisk tree takes several hundred years to grow. Abraham's not doing it for himself. He's doing it for everybody who comes after him. We need to live in the present in a way that understands we're not the last people who are going to inhabit this place. And we need to be concerned about the folks who follow. You've probably heard the great story about uh, the founding of Oxford University in England. It was built out of a certain kind of wood. And when they built the campus, they knew that someday in the years and centuries ahead, they might have to replace some of what they built. And they might even expand the campus. And so those who started the school at the same time they built it started a forest, planted a bunch of trees at the same time. So in several hundred years after that, when Oxford needed to remodel, they had the wood available. They lived in the present, but in a way that was attentive to the fact that there'll be others coming along after them. I think that's a live option that God gives us. It's not to disregard the past or get stuck in the past, are to live only for this moment. But I think God calls us in a way to live in recognition of the past and in recognition of the future as well. Honor what's gone before. Prepare for, for people who come after us. We need to do both. One of the great uh, things that I've heard recently is a friend of mine went to uh, Israel. And while he was there, the guide that was with him um, was talking to him. He said, you know what? He said, if you ask me, and he's um, a Jew, he said, if you ask me to sum up Judaism in a word, I could do it. And he said, well, all right, what is it? And he said, the one word is memory. The one word for Judaism is memory. Remembering God and remembering all those who came before us. But also it's biblical to remember all those who will come after us. To honor the past. But to prepare for the future—that's our call. That's interesting to me. The, the rabbis picked up on this in, in their commentary, and that is when they get the bones of Joseph, they have to carry them into the Promised Land. It goes all the way till Joshua twenty chapter twenty-four, when when uh, Joseph finally gets buried, and so they carry with them a box with his bones. But after Moses goes to Mount Sinai, they have a second box that they carry. The priests carry it on poles. It's called the Ark of the Covenant. And inside the Ark of the Covenant is the very Word of God in the Ten Commandments. And I think as they moved into the Promised Land, they carried those two boxes, and they were symbolic of, we will honor the past, and God is with us in the present, and will guide us into our future. That's the way we live. To honor those who've gone before and to count on God's guidance and to obey God's word today in such a way that it prepares not only us but others who come after us for what.